kidding. We're going live. <laughs> no fucking kidding. Bonjour. Welcome to another edition of Cafe Day Renee. James here. Join once again. Join once again by the Stylist Show. Mr. Renee Dupree. Renee, we've got a re reunion tonight. Yes, we do. Currently, we have Sylvain Grenier, the looks of the team. And the what? Oh, oh, we see Rob Conway is in. Is in the building? He's in the building, but his devices is not connected. So just be patient, everyone. Yeah, yeah, he's here. I just talked to him, but I had the issue with the, with the, with the link myself. Okay. Wow, we got 140 people, 46. Wow, it's going up. Thank you, everyone, for joining us tonight. It's special because yesterday was the 20th anniversary of La Resistance debuting on WWE television. That's insane. Was that the first vignette or was actually the run-in with the Steiners? What was that? Run-in. Uh, Run-in. Oh, that was in Boston, right? You're asking me? Yeah. I guess I remember so. because after the show, you rolled down your window to start signing autographs, and I yelled at you. I said, what the hell are you doing? We're heels. <laughs> and then Pat sat me down and said, you know, Today, business is different. If you don't sign autograph, you know, the, people think you're a jerk-off. They won't want to come pay see you. And he was right. Different business. Different days. Yeah. So, how's Florida, bud? Well, better than Montreal, I can tell you that. Bullshit. Montreal is a beautiful city. Man, they had an ice storm two weeks ago. What are you talking about? They did? <laughs> they did. It was brutal. Like, my mom didn't have electricity for, like, two days. She lost everything in the freezer. Holy shit. It's crazy. So Come well, on, Rob. Come on, Rob Conaway. Robert. Robert. He says his device is not connected. Do you want to message him? Tell him to connect his device. How'd you like the short uh, hair, Renee? Oh, it's so much easier. It saves so much time. Yeah. It's funny. You look awake. <laughs> I look awake? No, everywhere I go, people say I look... Younger. Yeah, way younger. So that's a positive, I guess. Rob is calling me. Wait a second. Rob's calling you? Yeah. You will be on scene. Okay, so on the phone... Uh, don't forget, tonight is going to be our first Patreon Raw Watch Along. So if you're not already signed up, and I want to thank the nearly 70 people that have already signed up for the Patreon. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to do a first ever Raw Watch Along. It's only uh, $5 for the lowest tier membership. Uh, you got the link, James? Nope. Uh, I'll put, uh, I haven't got the link. I'll pull it up uh, afterwards. What happened? Uh, so, where's Jonah when we need him? Jonah's got the flu. <laughs> so, what happened? Fuck you, drinking gasoline? No, uh, lemon water. We're about to have an Two intervention. We're Two gonna have an intervention with Why? my co-host because he's an alcoholic and he has yet to admit that he has a problem. What are you drinking for real? Lemon water. <laughs> I'm on a diet. 
detox. So where's Rob? Fix Rob's problem. It says his device uh, is not connected. Well, he said um, Rob can see us. But yeah, because I can't. Device is not connected. His device but is not send connected. it to his Facebook, not to Instagram. Facebook. Because Instagram, okay, he, gets, he gets the thing that he sees us. He's a spectator. He's not a right. participant. I'll, right, I'll, 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 I'll give you two minutes. I'll be on Facebook. Okay, Rob, yeah. go on Facebook. I fix everything here. Thank you, Sly. We need you. Welcome. Well, we got our first super chat of the night. Shit. Cha-ching! Sean, thank you so much, fellow Canadian. All right, it's Canadian money. Together, any chance of an in-ring reunion for you three? Okay, James, the super chats are building up. Next question. <laughs> I don't know, Sly. What do you think? I think uh, I would say sooner than later. Well, I am in the process of getting my waiver to re-enter the United States of America. Um, last time I did it, it usually takes three to six months. So we're on, when did I do that? February, March, April. So I, June, at the latest, July. At the latest, June or July. So That's good. I know a lot of summer slam season. After, yeah. After, um, after we did that little tour of the Maritimes, I had so many promoters messaging me, asking me if we're back together full time and wanting to use us. So. Oh, we got our next super chat. Gerardo saw the segment where Oldberg messed up Renee's collarbone. Yeah. You can see Sly running in the back as Rob and Renee get beat down. I couldn't help but laugh watching Sly run away. Of course, my neck was broken. Oh, was your neck? Wow. So you had a broken neck. You I got a broken a collarbone. But you got a souvenir. You got a Goldberg story. I don't. Yeah, I hey, do actually. Know, but did you hear he's uh, gonna run his own four-way, uh, four-city farewell tour? What do you mean? Hey! Oh! The French <laughs> sympathizer himself. What is up? Can you hear um, me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yes, we. Let me get closer. Shoot, I gotta. You're all so close to the. Camera, the closer I look, you know, the better I look. There we <laughs> go. I like the setup in the back. Renee got the concept, closer. right? So with that, looks exactly look at Renee's concept. It's fucking green bedroom. Yeah, well, he's a professional. Yeah. Professional. Boys. Boys. I'm a professional. Yeah. No sweat. No sweat. I went 20 minutes. Oh, wait, I did an hour Broadway, 55-minute mark. I popped the alcohol seltzer. So, so, Rob, the first question was, when the reunion is going to happen? Whenever we uh, can all get together, Renee can come to the United States, unless we go to Canada. Or Japan, that'd be even better. Japan? Oh, like Japan, Japan would be neutral. That's good. Man, trios are not born overnight, and we are, so that can be good. Mm. Yeah, man. People. I, I wish that when I started wrestling that I would have trained at OBW for about 
a year and then gone to the new Japan dojo and trained there and then wrestled in Japan. Like the whole time. It's so great. You guys are so good. Mm. Yeah, well, you've been there great. a couple of times when, uh, Rob. 13 trips. Wow. Did you do two thirds? Really? Yeah. That many? It was like, uh, 11 of them were for new Japan and I went with WWE and then I went with a uh, diamond star wrestling. It was like the last time I went for, Oh, okay. We got another question. Rob Conway, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I listened to all your interviews. Hope I see you wrestle live one day at, or at a convention. They love you, Rob. There you go. That's what every heel wants to hear is how much they love me. But how come they never cheer for us when we're out there? Every place we go, we come out and they say, man, you're our favorite. And I'm like, how are we your favorite? We didn't hear one person cheer for us. You didn't buy your shirt and we didn't have. Yeah, exactly. Right. Here's another uh, one for you, uh, Conway. Did Michael Hayes ever watch you shower? What the fuck is that? <laughs> and he said the Paul London story. <laughs> not never not that I know Doesn't seem like something he would be into. Okay. Uh, I don't know. So uh, it was when Ra um, Paul and Spanky, uh, Brian Kendrick were tag champs, right? And uh, it was after the after their match or whatever. They're both in the shower. They're showering, and, and Paul was like, do you ever get the feeling when someone's watching you? And then he turns, and he looks, and Michael Hayes is standing, leaning against the wall, staring at him, showering. And then he goes, looking good, boys. Looking real good. And then he walks <laughs> away. <laughs> so I, got to, I went to Australia and got to spend some time with Paul London. Because yeah. he was on SmackDown, so I never really got to talk to him much when we were with WWE. Right. And he was telling me just all this stuff that, that he had seen and heard. And I was like, I think we work for two different companies. Because Agreed. I didn't see any of it. I don't right. know what you're talking about. I mean, I guess I was just focused on, you know, what was right in front of me, having a good match and, and doing what they wanted and showing up on time. But I didn't I didn't really notice anything that was out of the ordinary but, man, he was telling me all this stuff, and I was just like, wow. I literally told him, I said, man, I saw none of that, and I feel like maybe we just we just see the world differently. I just yeah, see but the depends. and the matches. And he's Paul a cruiser. was a different division. You remember, Paul was a tag, but also he yeah. was in the cruiserweight. So there was a lot of politics, the airtime and everything. They were, they were, at one point, they were always, like, pushing the back or put them on heat or – whatever was the third show back then. And he went out with a diva. So he had to go through different stuff than we didn't do because he had to be careful, walks on that shell. If he was fucking one diva, who, who liked that diva? Yeah, I didn't, we, I didn't have to do any of that. I just try to wave the flags. Wave <laughs> the flags, boys. How many times wave they tell you, flags. hey, you know, have a good match that'd be great but wave those flags yeah. and the referee like comes to you and you say hey wave the flags okay <laughs> that's your heat wave the flags who was uh, the biggest okay. madonna in the locker room rob conway oh other than renee <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man i thought we had a pretty good group you know it was the guys that we hung out with were all I mean, everybody was pretty cool, but we, there was nobody in, in our group 
or kind of our tier of being not main eventers yet that was a diva. Not that I know of. It wasn't, you know, prima donna or anything like that. Everybody was was pretty no. cool and and uh so I I mean I you all might know different than me, but I, I don't really remember anybody being because they would have got weeded out kind of the locker room kind of has its way of everybody's you might you can be prima donna all you want when you're back home but when you're on the road with the other guys you've got to you've got to fit in or you kind of get sent packing mm. yeah you get no, home I don't really see. quick i remember rendy when we first got there rendy was a piece of work yeah he it really went to his head at the beginning there yeah but Renee, who wouldn't? Mm. He was making probably a million dollar uh, a year in, and yeah, yeah I traveled. I traveled with Randy some, and and early on, you know, I'd known him since he started. So, but the things that he would do, I mean, that were like small, is like I would say, hey, we get up. There's be four of us, and we say we get up and we go to the gym. We get up, we meet at eight o'clock. We go eat and we go to the gym. Then we go to the building. And he's like, well, why don't we leave at nine? And I'd say, no, we, we leave at eight. And he'd go, come on, let's leave at nine. And I'd go, no, we'd all say eight. And he'd go, how about 8.30? And then we'd go, we can do 8.30. And then he would come down at nine. Right. So he's only a half an hour late. Right. But it threw us, our whole schedule off. Yeah. And he'd want to get to the building as late as possible because he knew – that he wouldn't get fined, but back then we got fined five hundred dollars if we're a minute late. Yep. And they would have fined us, but somehow or another he would have showed up so late that they were just happy that he made it. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Joaquin Gonzalez, thank you for the uh donation. Gonzalez donation. The champ. Slight, were you injured when Lashley threw you out in the two thousand six Royal Rumble? Run looked painful. Also, why were you repackaged twice in 06? You can ask Renee that. Renee. Hold on. Was that... I did the model gimmick. They wanted me to go uh, very feminine, very Rico lookalike. Yeah. I didn't like I didn't like that spin of it. Didn't get what I would try to project and anyway and um no i was i was in great shape back then and i was working a lot with bobby lashley and house show Ashlow was just breaking in and we were actually traveling together me and bobby and i was in good shape back then and uh no my neck was okay everything was fine and uh we used to do that spot me and uh bobby in a house show so he can throw me like a nice way over the top, like a hip toss kind of like. So he looks strong and give time to regroup and look at the crowd. They want him to work on his interaction with the crowd. So that gave him some time to get a character. Uh, but um, it didn't hurt, but Bobby was just a beast. If he, he would, he could hurt me so bad but he was very professional very gentle and you know he was green at the beginning but uh, he was on spot never did too much he was a great listener and uh no after that we uh, we did the la resistance on ecw 
me and Renee, and that lasts only one day. <laughs> that was the shortest run, but we 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 never lost. I know <laughs> undefeated on ECW, and after that, at... so I was sent home for a couple of weeks because they had to repackage me again because Renee went to rehab, and they came with the ambassador gimmick. That was a version of Larry's Distance solo. I thought they put you with Marie's. That was at the end. That was the last week, last oh, two weeks. Okay. You guys ended up working a couple of tours together, though? A couple of house show. Just house show. That's it. And something happened, I told you, with Arn. So. Did you yell at him or some shit? Yeah, but, you know, the Miz married her, so I don't think I could have keep doing that gimmick with somebody else's wives. There was a lot of proximity. Nothing. Nothing would have happened, but it was just probably uncomfortable for any. So that's why she actually, after that, they got together. How do you think Billy Kidman felt with their first day in the company? Vince does a fucking vignette where he's making out with Tori. <laughs> right? Rex Conway, what are your stories? You got any good Benoit stories? Fuck squats. Uh, yeah. So I always worked out, but I never did a lot of, you know, free squats or I didn't do a lot of preparation before the matches. I just wanted to be loose. And uh, I always went to the gym. And one day Benoit came to me and goes, Hey, you want to work out with me before the show? Which I had to say yes, even if I didn't want to. He was and, a world champion. Uh, yeah. And I said, Yeah, sure. And he said, okay, have you ever done the Hindu squats? And I was like, no. He goes, uh, we'll do those. How many you want to start with? I said, well, whatever you want. He goes, we'll start with 500. <laughs> so he was like, meet me down by the ring at like 3 o'clock. We'll do the squats. And then, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. We were at the Cow Palace where they have a whole bunch of steps going up to the locker room. Mm -hmm. So I get down there and ready to work out. And I do like. 10 squats and I kind of adjust my feet and he goes, no, no, you got to do them continuous. <laughs> so then I'm, I'm doing the squats and I look over and there's like Jericho and like 10 dudes up in the stands, just watching us. And I'm like, man, they're, they're in on this and they're wanting to see like if I stop or throw up or which is pretty could happen. So, and then we had to count them out loud. And then about, I mean, a hundred in my legs are pumped. I mean, I'm thinking, my God, I can't do anymore. Then, then I'm like, man, but you know, this is Chris Benoit. You know, we he's the he's a top guy. Don't want to let him down. Don't. I get to about 300. My feet hurt. My back hurt. I mean, it, you wouldn't believe how bad it hurts when you're not used to doing that many squats at once. So he got done with them, and I still like had a hundred to do, and I got through them. And then he goes, "You want to run the steps?" So then we had to run the arena steps because everybody was, they were just waiting for me to get sick or quit. Right. And then uh, we ran the steps and we got done with that. I mean, it's not like I ran fast. So then uh, we got to the, going to the locker room. And he goes, uh, now we're just going to run up and down the locker room steps like five times. So we did that. And then later that night, I believe I wrestled him. And 
he German suplexed me the first time toward the end, and I sold it. Took time getting up, and then I could barely get up. The second time he did it, I was really dragging. And the third time he gave it to me, I looked like I was selling so great, but I couldn't get up anymore. And then, <laughs> then he hit the headbutt or whatever and beat me. And then we got to the back, and they were like, "Man, the way you sold that was so good that." You know, you made each one mean more that you were having. He was having trouble getting you up. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, that's cool. And then I was thinking, man, I, I, that's just the way it happened. I was trying. To, I wasn't trying to, to sell. I was just trying to get up as fast as I could. And it was really slow. Right. So that that was, it was so we can after that. I mean, I could see the disappointment. He was so disappointed that I didn't get sick that that week I did squats every day at home. So when we got to the house shows on Friday and he said, you want to do squats? I was like, sure. And then I did them pretty good. And then after a couple of weeks, we used to call each other when we were at home during the week and we would have our phone on speaker and we would do the squats and count them out loud. He, I'd count the first hundred. He'd count the second. So I did them all week. And I got to where one time we did 500 squats in nine minutes. Holy wow. shit. Because people started joining us, like the Heartbreakers, Snitsky, Me, Nova started doing them, Regal was doing them, Coach was doing them. It was like, hey, first rule of Squat Club, you know, yeah. don't tell anybody about Squat Club. But it remember Davari, Davari pissed blood Div from it. Davari wow. got challenged to do the 500 squats by Benoit, and then he, I think he might have got through them. And then the same, so he was so sore that he went to get a massage because we were in, I think, Nottingham, England. So he goes in, tells the lady he wants a massage. He lays down, and then Shawn Michaels opens the curtain because he was scheduled to get a massage at that time. Uh, and there's Davari. And, and the next thing you know, he's got heat because he's not even a wrestler. He's a manager, and he needs to get a massage. But then he ended up having to go to the hospital because his, his muscle fibers broke down so much from doing the squats that he started – and blood wow. wow so that was the last time that he did the squats that i know of and now he's jack so just if there's anybody out there and they why do you do squats you first of all when you do the squats you have to count them out loud because when you get to, you we can't go and wrestle every day you know i can't say hey let's warm up let's go wrestle a 10 minute match or 20 minute match but you do the squats and you count them out loud because what happens when you get tired, you don't can't think. And if we're trying to, if you're tired and blown up, you certainly can't talk to and lead a match. So that's kind of what it is without having to be hard on your body. If you can get tired. So if you could get on the treadmill and run and still be able to talk and look like you're, you know, that, that would be good. Cause I mean, you all know that as soon as somebody gets blown up, the match pretty much goes in a different direction. Yeah. Rob, what's your thoughts on that awesome team? Just look at me. Uh, what team just look at me? The team your, song. Uh, your entrance. Oh, theme. Oh, gosh. So, I mean, I got heat because I didn't like it. The first time I heard it, I was getting ready to go to the ring. I think Kerwin White was out there and then my music hit and they were like, that's your music. And I was like, what? I thought it was his music, like coming back after the match. 
So, like, I walked through the curtain. I never heard it before. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is terrible. Like, the, when I'd gone over, I was working with Ed Kosky on a character. And the vision we had and the vision, I guess, that got up to the office was totally different. And I was just, I mean, and the thing is, is it was kind of the flavors, like he wrote that song and then Kerwin White's song was kind of loungy. And I literally said, man, it's not exactly time to play the game, is it? (laughs) Because it wouldn't matter that, you know, you could have sent Stone Cold when he was the ringmaster out to that music and people would have, you know, immediately, it just sucked the energy out of the crowd. Whereas when we were in La Resistance and that Final Force music hit, Boom! Everybody immediately—it sounded. It was like an oven of booze. Yep. And then they just look at me like it's a catchy song, and but it's not an entrance music. So I pushed back and was like, "Hey, could we make it a little faster?" And this, that, and other thing. Then the next thing I know, I'm coming to TV, and they're like, "Hey, you know, Jim Johnston wrote all this music, and he's, you know, like won awards, and you got no business, you know, trying to get him to change it." And I was like, "Okay, that's." You know, just a, it sets the, t- I mean, if you just hear some music, you immediately think, okay, who's this guy? And that music was so slow that it sucked the energy out of the crowd. It was go away heat. It was turn the channel heat. <laughs> I mean, it's up. literally, I get messages all the time about it being like, some people love it, but they didn't want to come out to it. But most of the time it's like at least top two worst entrance musics ever. Right. Yeah, probably number one. What was Cena like in OVW? Man, he he was uh, he was super talented from the get go. Like on the mic, we could give him. I would be like, we used to do interviews where I'd stand in the ring and say, "I'm standing here with you know the prototype, and you've got Undertaker at WrestleMania this Sunday. Tell me your thoughts." And he would go on a tangent that was to have everybody in there entertained. I mean, it didn't matter what subject you gave him. And then his wrestling, he had all the basics, but he he wasn't polished yet. But he, you could tell he was going to – I mean, I remember sitting to him and go, man, you're going to be a huge star. And he's like, really? Why do you think that? I go, well, you got the look. You can talk. You know, you can learn more about wrestling. That That's the easiest part to train somebody who was a fan. He was a fan, so he knew we would make references sometimes to guys when they would come to OVW – to see if they were just like a bodybuilder or if they, you know, you know, knew like, Hey, I'm going to take this, uh, you know, boss man where I'm going to fall into the second rope and he'd go, yeah. Or like Bobby Eaton does. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy really knows his stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he was definitely, I was with him. We were traveling together when he debuted against Kurt. We were in Chicago and, uh, we got to the building and Michael Hayes sat down with him and goes, Hey man, you know what you're doing tonight? And he goes, I guess I'm wrestling Shelton in a dark match. Cause he wrestled Shelton in dark matches every week. Right. And he said, Nope, you're going to go against Kurt angle. And he said, we want you to go. We didn't have the lady backstage. You cut hair and told him he needed a haircut. So I had to give him the, the car keys to our rental car. And he had to go get his haircut off. Cause he had like a Zach Morris haircut where it was long on the top and shaved on the sides and blonde. Mm-hmm. And, and he'd always been a heel. He'd never been a babyface in his life. And that, so his debut on Raw, he's a, a military haircut babyface. He did great. Yeah, I remember watching that. I was on tour in the Maritimes, and I, it was me. And you guys remember Kazarni? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was me and him. We were watching it at a bar. Like, fuck. I could when he slapped it. Kurt and said ruthless aggression, that was up there with the probably the hardest slap I've seen other than, like, Dave Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, you know. He has a big fucking hand, too. Man, he's got oh. – we measured his forearms one time, and his forearms are, like, 17 and a half inches. His joints are big. You know what I mean? His knees are big. He's just – it's he's just a it, for not being that heavy, he's he's got a like it's big just belt. yeah. I mean, it definitely. I think the reason he doesn't look as big as he could is because he's got a real muscular chest, but he doesn't have a big uh, like rib cage for your chest to come Pop out like out. Arnold's chest is goes out. But a lot of that is the bone structure. Mm. But John Cena's. You know, got a great chest, but it doesn't stick out the same because his shoulders are so big mm. that oh, it almost makes his chest not, you know, stick out because of the bone structure. But it's, you know, funny that he he went on to wear blue jeans, shorts. Well, in OBW, he was a huge fan of wrestling gear. Every time, like every two weeks, he would order a new pair of boots and with different colors and then two pairs of trunks to match them like if he got yellow boots he'd get white with yellow and yellow with white uh trunks and he had you know probably 50 pairs of trunks and 25 pairs of boots and then he gets to wwe and wears tennis shoes i don't think after he was you know after his debut his when he got over i don't think he ever wore any of his gear yeah <laughs> probably has all that gear that he could probably sell for thousands of dollars uh that he never used. Mm. Oh. What wrestler was the longest in the shower? Sylvain Grenier. No, no. I don't. Think they meant, I don't think they meant that question. Oh, you mean like? Oh, Sylvain Grenier. <laughs> Any man. Bell, oh, the Bell Center, Montreal. Rob, I told that story on the podcast a couple of times. I would like to see that story from that from your perspective because which one? The when one we won, we won the, the belt. So we went to Europe for like a week, right? And we lost to Hurricane and Rosie every night in Europe. And when we come to Montreal, we're sitting in the stands thinking, "I wonder who we're going to put over tonight." <laughs> and then Brooklyn Brawler comes to us and goes, Hey guys, I'm probably going to, before your match, we're probably going to go ahead and get pictures with you all in the belts. And we were like, what are you talking about? And he goes, Oh, nobody's talked to you all. And we're like, no, he's like, well, you're all supposed to go over on edge and Benoit tonight for the belts. And we were, we, I thought he was joking. Like, you know, they're called, like, they're called titles. Rob. Okay. The, championships i think they're calling <laughs> but then he was like well you know we'll try to get you your pictures before the match but don't tell anybody that i told you and then later i mean me and him were excited like this is in montreal we're going to beat two top guys and then they started going back because edge was going to turn heel then i mean up until like a half hour before the match they were they had flip-flopped and were trying to decide if they should lose or if they should start the heel turn. And me and him are just like, there's been a couple times where we're just like waiting on what's going to happen. 
So eventually, they, you know, we won and celebrated in the stands. It's the only time we ever got cheered for. We yeah. still worked as heels, but the crowd was was cheering for us. And yeah, they asked us to work as heel, even the crowd, because the people in the United States wouldn't understand the turn. Mm -hmm. So I tell you, one other, one other time, one other time, uh, it was me and Sylvan at Taboo Tuesday, and that they thought that they were going to vote. It was uh, Hunter was the world champion, and they it was either uh, going to be Hunter against Sean, Hunter against Edge, or Hunter against Benoit. So they thought for sure. HBK was hurt. So they had everything geared for him to pick Edge or the fans to pick Edge. So we worked kind of a match out with Edge and Benoit, but we mainly worked a match out with with Sean and Benoit. And the plan was is Sean was going to be out. So I was going to get to put him out with some type of move to his leg and pin him. And and then when he came back, we would have like a little bit of a because you know, tag team guys, we would win tag matches and we lose all the singles matches to the guys. That's kind of the way it worked. But then they voted they voted Sean to go against Hunter. So not only did I not get to put Sean out of wrestling for a while and and beat HBK, but we went against Edge and Benoit and we lost. Yeah. And we give so them was, the bell back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man how different your your path can go with just one quick decision yep that's the way it is what was it like working with jeff hardy and kurt angle have you guys worked with him no i worked with kurt in a dark match before he was ever on tv i led it i'd had like 500 matches and he had like 20 mm. he had curly hair and and black trunks and black boots and he was great. At one point, I asked him if he'd ever done a belly-to-belly -belly overhead. And he was like, no. I'm like, man, I take those good. That would be a good one to give me. So he shot. the plan was I'd shoot, get shot in a corner and come out, and he'd give me the belly-to-belly. -belly. And he shot me in the corner, and I came. I stepped out like one step, and he clotheslined me. <laughs> and I had no place to go. And then he, was, then he shot me off and called it and did it. But it was just like, I mean, it was just one of those things where he was really inexperienced. And he had wrestled Nick. Densmore the night before. Yeah. Which was the night after Owen's tragedy. Oh. So we were there at Raw when that happened. And we weren't, you know, I wasn't a contract guy. So it was really awkward. You're like happy to be there and everybody's miserable. So Nick went out with Kurt and took about 60% of the match. And then after the match, they were like, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Kurt, you have to be dominant. So mm. I got him the next night. So I, <laughs> I pretty much, you know, kind of got dominated, but that's, you know, I mean, he ended up, be then a year later, I'm like asking him advice on the matches. Cause he was, he, he was like, he'd been wrestling for 10 years after like one year. Oh yeah. Then Amazing. me and Jeff, Jeff was real easy. Me and him was my last match in WWE was against Jeff. And I came out and said, I would quit raw if I didn't win. Cause I'd been losing. And what happened was that I had a surgery on my remember we got somehow you accidentally hit me with the flag it like went over Ryback's head and hit me so in a, at a Louisville show me and, 
Yeah, me and you were in OVW for some reason after we were on TV, and we were like in E-Town, and we went, we went to hit him with the flag, but it wrapped around because he was grabbed me and hit me in the face. And it didn't really break my nose or anything, but later I found out I had a deviated septum. Wait so it was second. about Christmas. Christmas time, I had surgery so I could breathe. And then they call me on New Year's Eve or, you know, that week and like, hey, we're going to bring you in and have you do this. I go, I'm not cleared to wrestle. I just had, I mean, I had that packing in my nose for like two days, it's like eight feet of packing they put in there. And they said, I go, I'm not cleared. And they go, well, we'll just fly you in and see if our doctors might clear you. So wow. I was getting cleared. So I was supposed to cut the promo and we were going to have like a six minute match. And then they came to us and said, hey, we're going to cut the match down to like three minutes. And I was like, hey, man, I can't get hit in the face. Right. So we can cut it down as short as you want. So we got with Jeff. I cut the promo. We went to lock up. I beat him up for about 15 seconds, shot him into the corner, went in. He sunset flipped me one, two, three. But the funny thing about that is, I mean, Jeff was easy to work with. You know, I'm sure he was happy to go was 21 seconds. Uh, but then Vince came out and fired me. And then people were like, man, did you really get fired on TV? And I thought he would never tell someone ahead of time that they were going to get fired and then go do it on TV because they are afraid that the person would go crazy, grab the microphone yeah. If you thought you were really going to lose, they might went out and just beat Jeff up. You know what I mean? Like, not, I mean, uh, there's a lot of ways to be. Un That's why they usually don't let people go in person. They do it over the phone. Yeah. yeah. That but was a no, shoot, I, right? He fired you live on TV. Yeah, but I wasn't actually fired. I was supposed to move to SmackDown. So I my contract rolled over January 1st. So I got paid to sit at home and I until August. But I, I literally, I saw Scotty got released and Flash Funk got released that I didn't even know he was under contract at the time. Mm. And I thought, man, if I were them and I'm not using me and I, my contract had rolled over, so I'm getting full pay each week, I yeah. would let me go. Because what am I going to do if they bring me back in three months? Am I going to say no? No, I'd be like, okay. You know, but so I got paid. I made more money for that one match than I ever made. That was like a $70,000 match. <laughs> nice. Over 400 people's in the chat. That's awesome, guys. Thank you. Um, Let me do the questions for that. <laughs> I need to ask some law resistance questions, man. We had, I mean, between me and you all teaming, then me and Renee teaming, yeah, and but me, Rob, and teaming. Me, and, me and Renee did that like five times. So you're the yeah, new guy but, here. I mean, fun stuff like me and Renee wrestled the Dudleys at Joe Lewis Arena in in Detroit, and we came out of the crowd like to jump them. So we got kind of disc. I got discombobulated on where the entrances were and stuff. And at one point, I was, I uh, think, kind of getting some heat on Devon, and I turned around and knocked Bubba off the apron, and Renee I went to Renee's quarter and almost punched him. <laughs> And he was like, what the hell? And that whole match, like, I kept going to the wrong corner. I was just so off because we didn't come down the entrance that I was ha having trouble figuring out where we were. Muscle memory. How about Renee? We were in, uh, I think, Washington State. And he said, I want to do the Shawn Michaels flip bump in the corner. 
And I said, how about you don't do it? He goes, no, nope, I want to do it. Because Renee would do what he wanted to do. You know, that's just the way he was. So he finally, before we go out, I go, man, you probably shouldn't do that. And he's like, I want to. I go, Sean is on right after us. He was the next match. So, and you call it the Sean Michaels bump. So he did it. And, you know, it went fine. But then, you know, that's the kind of stuff that if they're watching, you know, Renee's 19 or 20 years old, you know, they're like, what the hell? Like, you know, it's not. But, you know, stuff about Renee that was fun is I was 29 and he was 19. Wow. So he would still do things that were like a kid. Like uh, he was 265 pounds of muscle. And we, we would like go to the mall. He go, I want to go to the mall and get some electronics or something. And there'd be like a park bench and he would run and jump over it. <laughs> or like jump up on the wall like you skateboarding or something and push off of it and do stuff. And I'm like, dude, but I, I forgot when I was 19, you know, I was 150 pounds and, you know, doing goofy stuff too. But he, because he looked like a grown, I mean, like a grown up. Yeah. You know, we would be restaurants and he'd be talking to somebody and he'd walk off and I go, how do you think he is? And they go, I don't know, like 25. I go, he's 19. And then they, like anything that there was a lot of times where they, you know, the waitress then changed her perspective on him. And, you know, he was single then. So, yeah, it was a lot of like when they figured out, man, he's that big and and he looks that mature, but he's only 19 or 20. We had a lot of fun times at restaurants together, Carl, Rob. But we'll leave it at that. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear the story of Goldberg not wanting to lose his undefeated streak on his birthday? Kevin Nash's response was, well, my mom passed away on that day, so I think I topped you. And then he walked away. Oh. I never heard of that, but that's probably something Nash would say. Do you remember our match with Goldberg? I try to forget it. We the we went over that match multiple times. The whole match consisted of us getting an entrance, him coming out, me meeting him in the entrance way and him kicking me, going in, Renee kind of getting on him, shoot reverse, spearing him, me coming in, him spearing me and hit me with a jackhammer. Then he was supposed to take our French flag and break it over his knee. And yeah. they had a plant in the crowd with an American flag. Well, before we went out, I went to Magic, the guy who used to carry our flagpoles. I said, man, we're probably going to need next one, a new one next week because Goldberg's going to break this over his knee. He goes, he ain't going to break that over his knee. I go, yeah, yes. He goes, no, it's treated wood. It won't break. And I was oh. like, man, now I have to make this decision. <laughs> Do I just let him try to break it and keep it, you know, kind of look weak? But I, of course, I'm the company guy. I was like, I, for the business, I was like, yeah, just give us a weaker, you know, a broomstick or something. And, but we went, I told you the exact match. That was everything that happened. But we, it probably took hours to put that match together, you know, for the office to think, because they wanted him to look strong because he had lost the championship, I think, the night before in a hell in a cell. Mm. So, yeah, so we had to build them back up, right? Yeah. yeah, and then the other time, they had a bounty on him, and three of us just tried to collect the bounty, but it was backstage, so we all got bumped on the concrete a couple times, 
And then we had to do like, I think we had to do like two or three takes. Yeah. (laughs) And he dislocated because he hit me with the the flag or whatever. And he dislocated my fucking uh, collarbone. Oh, shit. Each time he'd do it, he, he, I said, man, take it easy. But he has one speed go. He doesn't know. He never learned how to work. I think that's why he got over is because his stuff looks so real and it's so explosive. He It didn't it look real. like pro wrestling. It looked like, you know, like football or right. like I said, an explosive athlete. You can't teach someone to get over like that. It just happened. And then you, yeah, but you I mean, just deal with it. Guys like us, who this was our, our full-time job and he, I mean, he never did house shows. The whole time he was on WWF, I think he did maybe one weekend, two weekends of house shows. Yeah, he didn't do a lot of house shows. And then when he did, I remember he either worked Hunter, and then Hunter got injured. So then it it would be Goldberg and Maven against Randy and Ric Flair. And uh, Maven would sell the whole match, and then Goldberg would tag in and do his moves and win, and then leave. But, I mean, hey, if you were over – you can do, you know, if I had my choice, I would just do offense and then leave. Great gig if you can have it. Nice question. Yeah. Ralph, <laughs> did you ever make love with your theme song on repeat? <laughs> I don't, I don't think that uh, the mood would, uh, I think it would actually kill the mood. Right. Hey, we're sly. Yeah, I'm looking, uh, unless he's just popped off or his laptop's gone flat. So, uh, He's got the link, so he should be able to get on there. Who pitched the idea of you joining La Resistance, Rob? Did you like the idea of being on the trio? I think it was Sly's idea, wasn't it? I think Sly, because I was supposed to debut the week before. I went, or yeah, I went up there and I was going to, I had blonde hair and I wore pink and white trunks. So I went up to Raw. I was debuting against Tommy Dreamer. It was going to be me and Stevie Richards, and Victoria was going to be my girlfriend. Because they, mm. she was with Stevie, but not really. It wasn't a romantic angle. And uh, me and Dreamer, they were going to call me either the franchise of Heat or the Golden Boy. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. I'm just happy to get finally get up here. So me and Dreamer worked out the match where he got distracted and I beat him. And then about. 30 minutes before the doors opened, Johnny Ace came to me and said, I mean, I'm already gotten paperwork about where I'm going to be traveling and being on the road. And Johnny goes, Hey, Robbie, we're going to shit can your match tonight. You're not debuting. And you're not on the road. And I was like, man, that sucks. He goes, yeah. and I think we got something better for you. I said this week, go buy a military outfit and bring it to raw next week. So I went and got this. My dad was in the army. So we, we went to an Armley surplus store. I got a beautiful, like, dress outfit for the Army. I made myself like a lieutenant. You know, I wasn't going to be, like, 30 making myself a general. And uh, I showed up to TV, and I had the long blonde hair. And I sat down and ate with Robbie Rude. I met him for the first time. And Tyson Dukes and uh, uh, Showtime Eric Young. They were there to be extras. Johnny takes me to Jan and says, cut all of his hair off. Like he's in the military. I've been growing my hair out for like a year. Maybe you know, I had, so she cuts my hair off. I go back and sit down at the table and those guys introduced themselves to me again because they thought I was a different person. Wow. So then the writer said, did you bring the outfit? I said, yeah. 
And I showed it to them and they said, man, that looks great, but we can't use it because the army's one of our sponsors. So the, there was a, a lady who did uh, backstage. I think her name was Sandra. She made the outfits. Yes. And uh, so her husband was like retired from the Air Force. So she somehow had his Air Force uniform. Maybe we were close to where she lived. And so I wore that. But I didn't know it at the time. But it was like way out of date. It wasn't the most current one. Right. So like I was, I was just the whole time, you know, when you, I came in as the, the military guy with them and the, I went through the front with a ticket. They had a girl that was extra backstage. It was like, came in with me. I sat in the crowd the whole time, you know, just like a fan before they came out and did the, our, our skit together. They even had me bring my phone in case they decided to not have me debut. They call and say, just come backstage. But I, you know, I think originally it was Sylvan's idea, and I would—I got along really well with Renee and Sylvan, which probably at that time maybe I was the only one that liked them both <laughs> in OVW. <laughs> you know, because they were—they were really different guys. Like them being together was just like they just both spoke French, but they—they they had so much different life experiences that I—I I thought part of the reason they finally brought me in was i had more experience around the guys up there uh, a lot of them i'd helped early on so it was maybe putting the matches together a little bit different and yeah. uh the fact that like renee couldn't rent a car so i had to i had to rent the cars it was almost like part of my when i got up there i felt like part of my responsibility was to make sure that he got to the shows because I was just kind of moving off their gimmick. I mean, they had a good gimmick going, and I was—they were already the tag champs, you know. I just—I just showed up for the ride, and no, you know, you, it you worked out really good. This, uh, we had the most heat, uh, you know, heel heat, and on the roster at that time. I mean, it's the perfect gimmick, right? It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I—I I would still be doing lovers. I loved it. I mean, instant heat. We kept getting better at wrestling, but we, we learned to work the gimmick and, you know, utilize the flags and we tried to not do like cool moves. So, that, you know, if we did, we put them in a spot where nobody would want to see it. So it would get booed. Yeah. That's you know? the difference with today's wrestling, man. It's like heels will outshine the baby face with their moves. That's something that we're always taught is you never outshine the baby face. You're there to build them. Yeah. I mean, would you it, agree? I uh, definitely uh, agree with it. If you just watch a match for the first few minutes of a match, a lot of times you can't tell who's good or who's bad. We set the tone when we walked out. You know, even if we didn't have the flags, we were we were natural heat getters. Oh, of course. Just our no. look. Yeah. Clean cut guys, yep. you know, always in shape, tan. You know, and we went against a lot of guys that were like the everyman. And we tried to be the – we didn't want to be relatable at all. Like the Dudley boys. The Dudleys, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to try and send that link again to uh, Sly, Renee? Or has he already got one? Um, I'll bring the next one out. Uh, Robin Sly, thanks for the memories. Uh, recently, we watched you guys winning the tag belts on Raw against Benoit and Edge. That was one of the biggest pops I ever had. Any memories that night? I think you pretty much answered it. 
Yeah. i tell you the biggest pop I ever heard. Me and Renee were in the ring. We were about to beat Mick Foley down. And The Rock hadn't been in yes. WWE for like two years. And his music hit, and it was crazy. I mean, that was just – it was awesome. 20,000 people completely He was sold so out. great to work with, too. I mean, he was he was so like, hey, you know, I'm going to say this, and you got to beat me up some and throw me out of the ring because I have to come back from something. If I'm not down, people don't. I mean, he, he got it, man. He was, he was, he's the most charismatic person I've ever met. He's always nice to people. So you can be over and you can be a top guy and you can be cool to people. Yeah. Because he did. And he just made you feel better about yourself. Like he would look in the eye, shake your hand, repeat your name back to you, and then see you three months later and remember your name and say, hey, I haven't seen you since California. How you been doing? And you're like, man, this guy, is, no wonder he's super successful because he almost makes, if he was a vacuum cleaner salesman, you'd buy two of them and then figure out that you, you'd have linoleum. You don't even need it. Like I've got right. wood. But he, he was really – and then me and Sly got to do some stuff with him too, and same thing. We came out and pretty much just beat him up. He made his comeback on coach. Okay. Not That's, us. That, I remember the rating for that – our segment peaked at a 4.4. Man. I think, that, I think they're probably great now is like a, a two. Yeah. There's so I, much – there's so much more ways to be entertained now than there was back then. I mean, yeah. all the streaming services and, and YouTube, that's awesome. I mean, it's really, you know, the days of it being the only game in town, you know, some of the older guys, like I'm an older guy now and I have to not treat new guys like older guys did me. Like, Oh, you got to slow it down. You're doing, you know, cause I didn't want to hear that when I was, I wanted to go, I want to get my stuff in. Yeah. And, uh, but they would always say, you know, we, we did 20,000 people at this place. And I'm like, yeah, cause there, there wasn't anything else to do. You couldn't just watch it on TV. Yeah. You couldn't watch the internet. If I want to watch those matches, I can probably find them on YouTube and watch them from 30 years ago. But back in the day, you know, there was less television channels, all, all that kind of stuff that, People, you got to kind of change with the times and understand, you know, your audience and and you're competing for people's entertainment dollar. That's true, especially like UFC kicking off. And it's I remember Steve Curran saying that UFC was just going to be a fad and would, after about four or five years it would die down. But I think he was wrong on that one. <laughs> uh any fun cornet stories you can tell? Oh, if anybody has cornet stories, it's you, Rob. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that I can actually tell. Right. Uh, well, I tell you, it's kind of funny in hindsight, but like when we were in OBW, we, were, we weren't allowed to hang out. The heels and baby faces couldn't be seen together ever. Not at restaurants, nothing. And me and Densmore had teamed up for like 200 matches in our career. So we split up, but we were still friends. And we like worked out together and stuff. So one time we got, they saw it. Somebody said they saw us at a bar at the same bar at the same time. And we, even if you didn't interact with someone, you were supposed to leave. 
whoever got there first could stay and the, the, the other person had to leave. Yeah. But I'm sure I didn't. And then I got to the Louisville Gardens and Cornette, I think he, he got mad. He was kicking a door. He did all this stuff. And then, and then basically I think I lost the belt that night and that they threatened to fire me over it. And I was just like, you know, at the time I wasn't now I'd be like, yeah, right. But then I was like, man, this is my opportunity. If I, he was our boss, yeah. you know, and he was high strung, Yeah, you know, but I think, <laughs> I remember yeah, one time I, at uh, Derby Park Expo 5, right? You know how, like, the baby faces would set up and the heels would tear down or vice versa? <laughs> I got there, well, we all got there early, but I was bored and the baby, and there was nobody nobody in the flea market where we're wrestling or whatever, so I decided to help the baby faces, and then he just shows up, man. Holy fuck, he cut a promo on me. Fucking... Oh, I remember that. Was it? Were you helping Charlie? I wanted to say it was you, like Charlie Haas, holding Haas, one of the ring posts or something. Yeah, and, I, was, uh, I was bored, so I helped set up the ring, and then he just happened to walk in, dude. Fuck, made me feel like two cents. Yeah. Oh well. Then you get up. Then you get up to the main roster, and I didn't go out one night in Italy because everybody went out. To the, I got heat because I didn't go out. So it's like, what the fuck. So in OBW, me and I was at Babyface when uh, Renee was a heel, and we went against each other a lot. Me and Nick against like, or me and Jeter's against you and Lance, yeah. and me and uh, Renee had a singles match one time, and he had somehow he had lost his tooth. It had come out, but he still had it. So when we started the match, he like put it in so it would you could see it, and then we did a spot where I punched him and he he spit his tooth out. Yeah. Yeah. It was, we, you know, at least we got to do some. The whole fun part about wrestling is the being creative. If I never fall down again, I'm good with that. But I sure right. like to come up with, you know, things that are interesting to me that, you know, somebody else can put your match together for you. And when you go out there, you feel like you're at work. Like yeah. that's, it's just work. But that's the way it is now, man. It's like when you get to do it yourself and you like, the way you can orchestrate like, Hey, we'll do this. And the people should be here. And then now we don't just call it out there anymore, but when you've called it out there hundreds of times, you get a good idea when you walk out kind of like, or what town you're in, what people are going to want to see. So you can pre-plan it and then it can still work. But the hardest part about wrestling is pre-planning your match and then going out and performing it like it wasn't pre-planned that's that's it's much easier to sell and register when you're just calling it out there because you don't know what's coming next if you get punched in the face you sell the punch to the face mm. but if you know the guy's going to shoot you off sometimes the guy will punch a guy in the face and he sticks his arm out because he's already thinking ahead and not living in the moment right yeah a lot, I, I i enjoy having a few things but then going out there and feeding off the crowd, you know, but yeah, it is what it is. Next question. Any edge stories? Edge stories. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember that time he came to OVW, uh, to recover from an injury and, and, uh, was, he broke his like, hand. Right. Rip was like, okay, Adam, 
put your boots on. And he was like, nah, I don't. Ended up, was it twisting his ankle or breaking his ankle? He broke his hand in a match against me and Sylvan. Okay. So what happened was, was it, I think it might have been him and Maven. He was there rehabbing. Edge was like 260 pounds and jacked after his after his neck. He was home for like a year. He yeah. came back and he was huge. And uh, we did a thing where somehow I think we either got disqualified, but they didn't hit us with their finish. And uh, we we powdered out, and the crowd was really hot. So me and Sly, we were the main event that we were off TV, I think, and we slid back in and had them hit us with their finishes. And so it was like beat up, shoot, reverse. Edge speared Sylvan and broke his own and landed and broke his own hand. Damn. And I'm, but the thing is, is that we could have just left. But when we heard the crowd, I'm the one that made the call. Let's let's feed back in so they can, we can take their finish and people will pop bigger. And when when he got hurt, man, I felt about this big. I mean, the last when you are a legitimate like professional the last thing you ever want to do is someone else somebody to get hurt in your match yeah i mean it's i would have rather broke my own hand yeah because i could control that but man i felt terrible so then he went back to raw like a couple weeks later and started an angle with kane but he had a he had a, a big cast on his wrist and he couldn't work out the same so he spent all that time building himself up and then i mean he Obviously, it worked out for him because he became world champ and all that and really became a yeah. top guy after that. But I felt terrible because, I mean, I never, ever want someone to get hurt in my match. 100%. Uh, he was a better wrestler. Test or Scotty too hotty? Scotty. Yeah, I, I only wrestled Test once, and we and I wasn't on TV yet. But he made me look good before he beat me. But, you know, Scotty, I'd say, is really good. Test was like 6'7". And it's really difficult for – he's not a giant like Kane or Undertaker. But he's not taking hip tosses and arm drags. So he was almost in that in-between stage where you don't – like Chuck Palumbo was the same way. He was too big for to take arm drags and hip tosses, but he wasn't big enough to be choke slamming people. So you, you mm. really had to – they had to be really creative on how they sold stuff for you because they weren't giants, but they were so much big. You know, I'm six foot. He's six seven. He's, you know, 280, and I'm, you know, 210. I mean, it's kind of a – I had to, like, baseball slide and jump and all this stuff, which I didn't always do. But, yeah, Test really knew how to – like protect himself and his character. But Scotty had been doing it much longer and he had just a feel for it. I mean, Scotty just, he's a guy who can really play off the crowd. And I mean, when he was good way before he was Scotty too hotty, but once he did the worm, he, that, I mean, that put him into a whole different, you know, just a yeah. whole different level of stardom. Um, just to That's remind it. everybody, at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going live on Patreon to do a Raw watch-along. It'll be our first Raw watch-along. Uh, my co-host didn't have the link, but uh, just join up for as low as 
and we can all watch Raw together. It'd be a great time. Raw, would you be interested sometime coming on Patreon and doing a Raw watch along? Yeah, just give me give me some notice because I haven't watched uh, like two hours or three hours of wrestling in a long time. Right? <laughs> no, I decided to start watching, but I figured might as well do it with a bunch of people. Yeah, I mean, like I still love wrestling and I love to watch it, but I still watch, I watch stuff from the 80s and 90s. You know, it, the thing about, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, Renee, but when you get, what wherever you were in your life when you said, man, I love wrestling, those are still the guys you like to watch. Right? I still watch Macho yeah. Man Randy Savage. You know, I'm still watching, you know, Flair Steamboat. You know, some Jerry Lawler stuff. All the guys that I grew up watching, they still, to me, are, you know, are. it's hard for you to, like, look up to a guy that's 20 years younger than you and be like, man, that guy's – you can appreciate their work. But, like, you know, younger guys think LeBron and Kobe, but I'm older than them, so I'm a Michael Jordan guy. So, so yeah. we're – Hulk Hogan and, and Randy Savage were, for me, what – the rock and stone cold were for somebody else. And then what Cena and Orton and, you know, those Brock are for, so it's just, it's sometimes it, I don't say it's hard to watch. It's just not, it's not the sports entertainment is not what I fell in love with. I fell in love with pro wrestling. Yeah. So I still appreciate it and watch it and kind of, and know what's going on. But if I had to choose what I would do, I would, I would rather be on live events for the rest of my life because they're so much more fun than TV. Right? Yeah. 100%. Oh, man. Uh, this is a question for Sly as well. We'll have to try and get him back in there. Uh, hopefully, this will be a reunion tour question for you. So, uh, who would you be your dream trios apart? Well, six-man tag opponents. Well, right now, yeah. whoever we could draw the most money with would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever can make most money with. Yeah, maybe we could, go against, like we could go against the Usos with uh, Roman Reigns. That would probably make some money. Yeah. Have you caught any? I, I've been watching their stuff. I mean, all the Samoans are like naturally great workers, eh? Yeah, I mean, it's just I've hardly ever seen any that didn't make it. Right. But they're also talented, too. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the, it's the thing about him is, is too, is like, like even like Haku, uh, and that is that, and Rikishi is that they start out with one gimmick. And as they get older, it's almost like genetically they keep getting bigger. And then they end right. up changing to the, because Haku used to throw drop kicks and stuff. And, you know, and Rikishi had like a lot gimmicks before that probably people don't even know he had before he became Rikishi. Yeah, he was and then, uh, the Sultan, head shrinkers, head shrinkers. Uh, oh, he, he was a fatu like man of the people. He was like, yeah, yeah, going yeah, around yeah. skulls. You know what I mean? Um, he's only a couple. <laughs> so uh, different than Sly and Renee. Like Sly started out as a referee, as a gimmick. Renee probably first thing he did was probably a dark match and then go on TV. I did all the extra work. Like I was a security yeah. guard. One time I was an orderly from an insane asylum. 
<laughs> I was Rikishi when he had used the the uh, sledgehammer on the rock. I came out to the ring with a full uniform on and a gun to escort him to the back. Really? Yeah. One time, uh, Steve Austin got thrown through a place got plate glass window by Undertaker, and I was sitting at a desk as a security guard on the phone. Oh, I never knew yeah. that. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of. There was tons of like going there and getting beat up during the day. And then doing security or some extra work. One time I got me and Doug Basham were like outside loading a truck with the big WWF, uh, those jumpsuits. Yeah. And Kane was looking for Undertaker and he's all mad and he throws me into the side of a, of a semi and then choke slams Doug on the metal Tommy lift. And they said, man, that was great. But Kane, we need more aggression. So we had to do it again. Oh. <laughs> he got choke slammed twice on a metal thing. I remember. I remember one time we did a. I was uh, on the fake ECW, and me and um, you remember um, Knox, Mike Knox. Oh yeah. We had to like feed Batista. Now, mind you, it's like the middle of winter, like January or February, in fucking upstate New York, and here we are taking flat back bumps on the pavement for Batista. We did like five takes. Like that's not fucking safe, dude. <laughs> I was wearing cowboy boots and the fucking pavement was slippery. Oh. So me and Sylvan worked Batista like the week before the Royal rumble that he was going to win mm-hmm. in a two on one match. And he slams, I think he, Powerbomb Sly and then like spine bustered me on top of him. So, somehow we were laying kind of like this and we had to rehearse him taking our flag and like putting it like between our legs and we had to hold it like it was like he had just shoved it, you know. Yeah. We, we, we rehearsed Vince without the ring, like we rehearsed that for 20 minutes. It was such a rib, right? That we had to lay on top of each other and you know, close our legs to try to make sure the flag didn't fall over. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, Rob, how was it working with Jesse Goddard's? Jesse Goddard's? Yeah. Oh, uh, man, he's a, I got to, he came to OBW and was training under Nick Densmore. And then I, he's a bodybuilder, like kind of, we have a pretty similar background and we just hit it off real good. And, um, uh, I used to meet him and he would go bring his matches on his iPad and we'd go over, you know, like, cause he was always having trouble getting heat. And I'm like, how can you have trouble getting heat? I watched you on big brother. People hated you. And he said, well, it was edited. You know, they, they take a whole bunch of stuff and then edit it to make you look, you know, you're, they gave you a character for the most part. And I was like, man, you just gotta, you just have to be that guy. You know, and people will hate you. And, but the problem with him was uh, when he first got there, the guys, sometimes when you don't come up in the business from the bottom up, you come in and you already have some notoriety. The guys that have been there for a while that haven't made it that far, they're kind of bitter. So yeah. a lot of times they're hard to work with. You know, the top guys are all cool. People always say top guys hold you. No, top guys are looking for guys to work with. Yeah. 
it's the middle of the road guys that think they should be main eventers and they're kind of bitter. And then they see the younger guys that are coming up and they got to, they can't make it here if they, they get, try to keep people down. I mean, it, oh, it, oh, not oh. anybody in particular, but it's just, just the nature of if you want it and somebody else has it, then you'll, you know, kind of discount the way they got it, you know, like, Oh, well, I, I'm just as good as them. Nobody ever wants to admit like, Hey, how come you're the sixth man? Oh, there's five other guys better than me. No, the coach doesn't like me. You know, <laughs> I just not getting a break. It's always kind of the way it is. But Jesse was, he was actually really humble and easy to, to work with. Uh, Cause I worked with him in OVW and we teamed up and he, I couldn't understand why these guys didn't want to make him look good. He was because if you help him and he makes it, well, then he can, you know, be in somebody's ear. Hey, man, this guy was easy to work with. He could come up. You know, that's that's the way I looked at it is you you if you're cool to everybody when they get in a situation, then, the, you know, they'll help you out if they can. Because that's that's having someone take a liking to you is important. There's a lot of great wrestlers out there, but if they don't have an it factor, or they're not related to somebody and they, and they might go their whole lives and never get a break. That's true. It's all who, you know, um, I'm instinct. Rob, if you had control of your music, what would you use? I feel like you could have had something similar to Foul Venus's music or a dance theme like Alex Wright. Well, the the con man character was basically in OVW, my Danny Davis gave me the name the Iron Man Rob Conway. And I came out to Iron Man by Black Sabbath. So that that style of music, I'm a Guns N' Roses fan, you know, Metallica, Ozzy. So that's kind of the, the way I would go is something it didn't even have to have words. It's something more upbeat. So, like, basically, this guy's coming out and he means business, not, you know, because you can. The kind of heel I was in OVW was I was smart heel. That was a good technical wrestler, but I would take shortcuts and I would talk bad about you behind your back. But when you turned and looked at me, I was like, "Oh, you know, man, <laughs> we're all good." And that, but so I wanted that character, but I couldn't use the name Iron Man because it was copyrighted by, you know, everything. So there's a guy that wrestled as uh, what we called him Horseshoe. And uh, what did he wrestle as? And he always called me Con Man. He'd always call me Con Man since I, you know, met him. So I thought, man, I'll just, I'll do the Iron Man character, but call myself the Con Man. But it didn't, it didn't quite pan out that way because. When we were in OVW, everybody on the show had a good spot. He, we, they didn't build like, they didn't try to build like one or two big stars because if you you built those guys up, they're going to get called up. So everybody, like, if Renee was in a group and one of them had a match, well, the whole group's going to be out there. They're all going to be involved in the promo. So I never, you know. The, I never really had to do a lot of like pitching of ideas because it was organic. We did this last week. Next week, we move on. We're on at Raw. You you pretty much had to kind of. It's just the way it works. Is you had to 
you had to be in their ear because if the other person is in their ear, then you might just get beat and get no offense or anything. Right. Forgotten about. Yeah. You. <laughs> hey, um, James, can you find the link and I'll just read the questions? Yeah, do you want me to send it to um, – oh, link to the Patreon. I'll link to send link the slide. Link to the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll just yeah, read the questions and then um, – okay. Rob, what was your opinion on Bubba? Did you uh, – you didn't have as many problems with Bubba's me and Sly did, did you? No. No. No, me and Bubba, you know, we would put the matches together a lot of times. Because uh, Devon wouldn't even be there, he'd just be doing whatever Devon was doing, and then he'd get there and go, "Hey, what are we doing?" And right. we always had his signature moves in there and stuff. And uh, but the thing about Bubba is, is that Bubba is really good at what he does. So, yeah. so he's going to say, "Let's do this, this, and this." And you, we were new, so what we'd have to do is we'd have to implement like a couple of our things, and then. Then the next week when we go, he go, they'd be like, oh, same, same as last week. And I'd be like, yeah, that was great. But could we add this? Like there was a time where we wrestled them for like two months in tables match. And not one time did we try to put them to a table. Right. So sense. I was like, wouldn't it make, you know, the match better if at some point we tried to put you all through a table and they were like, oh, yeah, that, that does make sense. But, you know, when you're when you're kind of proven commodity and you know what gets over for you, then you, you just want to do what you're, you know, he used to tell me when you go to a concert, you don't want to hear them singing new music. You want to hear the, the songs you're paying to see the stuff that you've been listening to. So yeah. that's, they didn't want to vary from their gimmick. But yeah. the thing is, is that if you only have like a certain amount of minutes, they had so much stuff that if they did all their stuff, then they would just beat us up the whole match and we get nothing. So we, you kind of have to slowly push back with how about this and this. And then as they get more, you know, he, he once he trusted us more, then the matches were more competitive and I felt like they got better. But Renee, lucky for him, he was 265 pounds because I'm the one that took a power bomb off the top rope through a table every night. Occasionally they hit him with the 3D. Because they were afraid if they hit me with the 3D, the table wouldn't break. Because I didn't only weigh 200 pounds. Well, that's how Sly broke his neck, man. He, he the power bomb through the table every night. Well, see, I learned after getting power bombed about five times. So when when we bump, a lot of times you naturally put your hands out like that. That. Yeah. Well, I put my hands out like that and go through the table. The table would fold up, and I I get hit in the elbow to where I started get I got bone chips in my elbow. So right. then. Bubba was like, when you get go to do it, just put your hands like this. And I'm like, well, why don't you tell me that sooner? Why don't you wait until I started wearing elbow pads? And <laughs> uh, There is the link, everyone. Uh, we're going to start at 9 o'clock. If you have not already signed up to the Patreon, there is the link. As low as $5. Okay, let's get through these Super Chats. What was the hardest city to connect? Dude, we got heat everywhere we went. Didn't matter. I tell you, I think the hardest place for us was when we were in Canada, but not in Montreal. Because yeah. the people, they didn't hate us as much there, but they didn't yeah. like us either. So we just didn't get, I didn't get the same reaction in like Calgary and 
places. We're going against American guys in Canada, but they know that, that these guys are from Canada. So it was kind of a, we didn't get cheered for, but it was more lukewarm. Whereas it, everywhere else, even when we went to me and Sly teamed up in Germany against Regal and Tajiri and the place chanted USA. <laughs> and I asked Regal, he, he said, they do what they see on TV. I was the only American in the match. Right. And the referee. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the time I work, uh, I'd wrestle uh, like Tajiri on heat or whatever. And they'd be chanting USA, and it's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they're so the people are so used to seeing you, and they to, to boo you, they chant USA. Right. Um, thoughts on CM Punk? Uh, I only worked with him once, and I don't even know if we were on the same show. Was he on Raw? I think he was on SmackDown. Whenever he was I was on the there, ECW. Oh yeah, so I I worked with him once. I mean, he was you know professional and pretty. You know, pretty it, it was actually an OVW. Like I, they called me and said, "Hey, we need you to go to TV like in an hour on a Wednesday," and then I worked with him and uh, it was fine. You know, was but I I don't really remember anything about it. Be I knew what his signature stuff was. As soon as I know I'm going to work somebody, I immediately try to look up some of their matches because I want if they do like say 10 moves and I go, I can take six of those really good. Instead of saying, I don't want to do those other four. I volunteer the six. Like, Hey, I can take this, this, and this. And so, you know, if they can't get too greedy and want to do 10 things, but so I remember watching him for what moves he does. And then I also like to kind of know what people's timing, their timing is important to me. Like how are they, how do they move around? If we're getting ready to lock up, are they fast? Is it in, just knowing someone's pattern of how they move, I can usually work with them. Mm. Mm. What's your thoughts on this one, Rob? I can't see any of the questions. Would any of you consider going back to WWE? Uh, yeah, I considered going back as a producer or coach, but that I couldn't wrestle four nights a week anymore. Well, I mean, that, that would be, and I'm, I'm used to being in my own bed every night, you know? So one, when you're on the road and you're home for a few days, you're like going stir crazy. You're ready to go. But I've been so used to only working, you know, on the weekends here and there that the idea of being away from home four nights a week, just, I mean, doesn't really appeal. And the, the other thing too, and you might be able to test to this, like, you might really like the guys in the locker room, but when you get older, you don't really have as much in common with them. True. I mean, so, you know, I used to look forward to going to the shows to see my friends and stuff. You know, now I go to the shows and the guys are so young and they, they haven't been anywhere yet. And they might be like hungry and stuff, but I still don't have that same rapport. Like I'm 50 years old. Which, you know, Wikipedia says I'm 48, you love, but I'm, I'm, you love, I'm 50 years old. So a lot of these guys could be my kid. You look yeah. just as good as you did 20 years ago, Rob. And I'm not saying that. So I look, you look what he's saying is, is 20 years ago, I look like <laughs> <laughs> I said, how old do you think he is? He's 19. They're like, oh, is that your grandson? 
Uh, my favorite stable to hate. Well, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Three talented guys that offer something different. It's great having all three on your show. He goes, well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, if you enjoy this, uh, come on the Patreon at 9 o'clock and watch me yell at the TV. Yeah, because you will probably be unfiltered in your assessment of each match and worker. Exactly. It's, uh, yes. it's a lot of fun. Sorry. Yeah, oh, if I say something's up. bad, if, the, if me and uh, Densmore kind of had a code, he'd go, hey, man, you worked with the guy. How is he? i say, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He goes, guy. really? And if he was really bad, I'd say, he's a really nice guy. Nice guy. <laughs> another, another Dinsmore line was, if you'd ask, hey, is that, is that match over? Uh, it's finished. I don't know if it's over. <laughs> yeah because <laughs> people would ask us are you guys the main event and he'd go no but we're the last match <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm late six dream what do you think of the back rake as a finishing move rob somebody do that no we got uh we got the best fans in the world coming on here and this is fixed dreams he asked all the wrestlers this question on his thoughts as a oh, back. Yeah, well, I tell you, if the guy's over enough and everybody sells it, then, you know, it's not that much different than uh, some other finishes where people don't even hit you with stuff. I mean, right. if you can put a sock on your hand yeah, and get that over and it was over, it then was. then you can, you know, it. I don't think it matters what moves you do. I think it matters who's doing them. Yep. So, like, if you're over, if The Rock comes out on Raw next week, they wouldn't go, man, I really like that shirt on The Rock. The shirt would be cool because The Rock's the one wearing it. Yeah. If he, when he was out there with us, he called us popcorn farts. <laughs> and, and, they, and he had a shirt that said, uh, how's your lips? And I, I don't even know what that, but if he says it, then it becomes a t-shirt. Exactly. <laughs> uh Dude, I was jealous when you guys worked the Rockers. How was that? Oh, well, first of all, when we got to the arena, it was in Atlanta. I usually never remember where. I see these guys on every going, yeah, we were in Mobile. Up. I don't remember where, any of these things. Right. I do remember we're in Atlanta. And uh, we were like, who are we working tonight? And uh, they told me, they said, you're going against the Rockers. And I said, who the fuck's the Rockers? Wow. <laughs> and they yeah and they were like marty and Sean. i thought it was like a new team they were calling the rockers marty right. hadn't been around for 20 years right you know or at least 15 years and they said no marty and sean and i was like you i still didn't believe them like are you kidding me then then sean came up with marty and we like yeah we are gonna work so we put the match together and we talked way more about it than i normally would with sean because yeah. Marty hadn't been there a while. He was like, hey, we want to make sure it's, you know, he hadn't been here. He's never worked with you guys. So we went over it and we went over it and we went over it, you know. And then right before we actually walked out, Marty looked at me and goes, what are we doing? I, I forgot everything. And I was like, oh, shit. And I went to tell him what we were doing. He goes, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> He's a rib. He is a ribber. And then we went out there and it went really good. It went so good. At the end of it, Sean, I think, Marty does something to to Sly. And I'm supposed to kind of come to make the save. And Sean's going to super kick me. And I'd never worked with Sean yet. 
So when he super kicked me, I wanted to take such a good bump that I snapped and bumped as hard as I could. I rolled to the floor and I came back from the match and my lip was all bleeding. And he looked at me and goes, I didn't do that. And I said, no, what happened was when I bumped, I, I smacked myself in the face. No shit. And rolled out of the ring and then I was busted. So the next week I got to, I got there and I wrestled Sean in a singles match that they said a grudge wow. match. It was a grudge match because wow. he had he super kicked me. Open. Uh, yeah. Well, you busted yourself open. I busted myself open. Yeah. Who pitched a cafe to Renee talk show? Uh, I think it was David Lasagna, if I'm not mistaken. And it lasted all of two episodes. <laughs> it was actually oh, yeah. two episodes. I think so, yeah. So let me ask you, because I we never talked about how was it that that so the dog that they would use the first yeah. time we used that uh, dog. I think the dog made about five or seven hundred bucks. No, they're making three hundred. Three hundred, and the 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 people backstage would be petting the dog or like. Uh, brushing the dog for like five hours. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. And they were the, the biggest poodles you'd ever see. Not little bitty. He could carry to the ring. The they were all massive for poodles. poodles. Yeah. People always ask me. People, I don't know if this happens to you. Everybody that watched us got us all mixed up. Yeah. Like they would be like, oh, you used to do the dance. I'm like, no, that's Renee. Or, you know, hey, you used to do this. Now, you, remember when you were the ambassador? I'm like, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> but when, when I figured out, after I got online a lot, I figured out that the, the smart fans, they're really not that smart. Because I would look at the, look at like what happened in the match, and it would be all wrong. The reports right. would be like, you know, that so-and-so got pinned with this move. I'm like, that's not what happened. So I was like... Give them way too much credit that they're like stooging stuff off when I could probably. I mean, you teach someone how to wrestle and they still have a hard time doing it. So these people are just speculating on, you know, I've had people go, you know, I know it's not a real chair you use. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what did I say to that? Okay. Right. But if you really want to know, it actually is a real chair and I'm going to hit the guy as hard as I can, but hopefully just once. Because I don't want to have to hit the guy 10 times. But, yeah, that's the thing about people who think they're kind of smart to the business. They're, it's usually not true. They think they know. Yeah, I wrestled for years and still didn't know. <laughs> and probably still don't know. But I'm on year 25, and I don't, I'm not all the way there yet. Now, How were walking with you guys? Excellent. They were amazing. So the rockers were great. To, that was the question. And I couldn't even believe that I've wrestled so many guys that I just couldn't even believe that I had the opportunity. Like they either were retired and I wrestled, I was in the ring and took the dusty elbow and didn't bump. Yeah. They didn't want me to bump. I got punched by Harley race, dusty roads. I think hacksaw, you know, got the claw from Von Eric and then got splashed by Jimmy Snuka. And fans would be like, man, I can't believe they disrespected you like that, having you go out. I'm like, I would have just liked it. People pay to get their picture taken with these guys. Yeah, I got to be in the ring in a sold-out show on on our homecoming back to 
USA network. I mean, that was awesome. So uh, if you really yeah, know what's going on, finishes to like all the guys you idolized growing up. How fucking cool is that? I know it. And, and get to put stuff together with them and see how they think. And, and most of them are really cool because they haven't been there for a while. So they're, they're like, I know what it's like when you, you're not there for a while and you come back and you're just like, man, do people remember, you know, like, right. are, are you going to have the same respect or the new group? You know, and I, when I go and do the coaching and stuff on occasion, man, they're super respectful. I mean, that's the one thing that hasn't changed is that there's a lot of hard working uh, guys and girls and they're taught to respect the people that came before them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, James, if, by nine o'clock, we're not done with the questions. Can you stay on with Rob and I'll scoot over to the Patreon? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. So, um, cool. Uh, uh, question. Hey, Rob, Sly and Renee. Oh, Rob and Renee. You're driving along. There's a huge puddle. Who do you splash? Ric Flair, Chris Jericho, JBL, or Johnny Ace? Johnny. Now it would be Johnny. Back then it wouldn't have been Johnny. I don't know. I probably would have still done it then because I used to kind of joke around with him because I wasn't smart enough to not. Right. You know, there was one time we were in OBW and he had just kind of taken over and we were in the office and someone turned the lights out. Someone like actually turned the lights out to the arena for a second and turned them back on. And some Danny was like, who did that? And I go, I don't know who it was, but they were riding a skateboard. Oh, my and I God. Johnny. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that's how, like, you know, my sense of humor used to be. I used to do a lot of things that that probably would have kept me from ever getting to the main roster, but I was lucky and got there. Yeah, man, it was faith. And I'm, I appreciate you coming because you made my life and style life a lot better. Thank you, Sly and Rob, for coming on the cafe. I appreciate you guys for all you've done for wrestling. That resistance would be a badass trio current day. I agree. European tour, Renee. What do you uh-huh. think? The three of you European tour. What do you think? Well, shit, I asked Sly a couple of years ago if he wanted to do a two-week tour, and he was, fuck no, he doesn't want to leave the house for two weeks. <laughs> That's a long right. time now. Used to, yeah. you know, I'd be gone as long as it as it took, but now I'd be like, man, I'd be missing my dogs. You never had children, right? You and uh, your wife? No. And the dogs that I had when we were together, mm. one of them just passed away two months ago. Well, I'm sorry, dude. But I'm just saying is, I had him since 2004. Wow. So he had a long life, but, you know, it's just, that's a long time. I mean, he went through a lot with me. <laughs> dogs, man. They're just. I love you know, dogs. Yeah, they're family members, dude. Yeah. Uh, and what I found is the, the, like, all the big jacked wrestlers all have little dogs. Most <laughs> of the time. I know. I got, a, I got another French poodle here. Yeah, I've got three Yorkies. Oh, cool. Fan art coming up real soon that I've been trying to finish up for the longest. I'd love for you guys to react when it's finished. Okay, well, when it's finished, uh, let us see. We'll react. We'll react. Taylor, 
Hey Rob, how was it when you won the NWA World Championship? I always thought it was cool. Man, I, I, it was a big moment for me because I had known ahead of time that once I like New Japan talked to the NWA and they were thinking about making me the champion, and they said if you make him the champion, we'll do business with you. Wow! So, so I won the championship, and and then I went uh, went over there for the first time. Uh, you know, not with WWE. When I was with WWE, we wrestled Regal and Tajiri, so I'd wrestled them fifty times. Right so back. when I got over there and was the NWA World Champion, over there, it's they treat it like you know your Ric Flair or Terry Funk or or, or you know Harley Race still. So. Yes. I was immediately in like there was like a triple main event. There was like 15,000 people at the show. I got to wrestle a, a legend by the name of Kojima. Yeah. And, uh, and go over with my finish. You know, they built me up. Then I beat Jushin Liger with my finish. And I beat a guy named Nakanishi who was the top guy with my finish. And it was all leading up. And then I did tag league where we had like 15 matches in 14 days. And, and, uh, I only lost one of the – every time we lost, my partner would lose because they were keeping me strong. And then I eventually yeah. uh, had a match for the NWA World title at the Tokyo Dome for Wrestle Kingdom. And yeah. Harley Race was the one holding up the belt. Wow. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. There was – you know, counting comp tickets, I think there were 40,000 people there. Wow. So How's it was that? pretty big. Has um, the NWA ever reached back out to you uh, about possibly going back? Or, and what do you think of the NWA currently? I'm happy that they're that one is still around. Two that it's actually kind of got more notoriety than it has probably in the last twenty years. Uh, I mean, I just see all the guys who were ever former NWA champions. They've all been super cool to me. And part of it is, mm. is because like me and Savon and Renee were WWE world tag team champions. And that's a good thing to have on your resume. And why is it so good? Because they're still the top wrestling organization. Yeah. So if, say I'd have been WCW tag champ. And if I was mm. meeting somebody new and I said, hey, I was a WCW tag champ, they might go, what's WCW? Cause it's been out of business for 23 years. Yeah. So the lineage, so it, it's important that the NWA does good because a lot of people's whole notoriety was being in the NWA. So if it's no longer around, right now I can you know say I was the NWA world champion. It's the longest running uh, wrestling promotion yeah. ever, you know, and since 1948. Or, you know, that sounds more impressive than I was the champion of an organization that's no longer around. That's true. <laughs> so it's kind of important for especially some of the older guys. Like their their uh, legacy has to do with being NWA, and if there's no NWA, it you know it might hurt their you know the way they feel like they were respected. Mm. But it was a, it was a big deal to me. I held it for a long time. But what it did what it did hurt me in a way was that. You know, I still would get booked at other organizations, but I could never lose. No. I could only get disqualified 
or counted out because you know if I, we had like 20 something affiliates and if i went to another place and that i got beat then it looks like well that place is better than the nwa so it when you're you know some of your value to these places are to come in and make their guys look good and lose and i couldn't do that until once i lost the championship then i went around and ended up losing to a lot of people so that when I got the championship again, I could go back and ha they'd have a rematch and they'd already beaten me once. Maybe they're going to win the NWA title. <laughs> um, you've already answered these questions about your uh, theme song. People love the theme song, Rob. <laughs> so, they, um... they love to hate it, kind of. It's, it's, it is comical almost. And I get a kick out of hearing it, but as far as – you know, I've had a couple of independent shows where they ask me what music and I tell them Iron Man and then somehow or maybe they don't. And I they play that. And I'm like, you know, looking at them like, come on, man. I thought you wanted to draw money and have a good show. I always thought it sounded like um, Randy Newman. who done the Toy Story. They all think it's Randy yeah. Newman, but it's like a knockoff. <laughs> Uh, Dylan G, thank you. Any uh, Big Vissera stories? I loved Big Viss. I mean, he was he was fun to work with. I used to love taking that boss man slam that he would give. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. He was so big, and you come running, and when he hooks you and spins for like a brief second, you feel weightless. You know, you'd go up in the air, you know, and, and he would. But the funny part about him is that he would do that thing where he would hump you yes talking about but, would, but what he would so what do you he'd be putting the match together and he'd go hey how about there i'll slam you and then i'll do that amateur stuff like that roll the thing where he would bounce on you and like roll around on your back uh-huh like that like he was an amateur wrestler like that was i'm like that's not an amateur wrestling that's you basically being big daddy v and showing your dominance but don't try to pawn it off like like that's an <laughs> amateur wrestling if you did that amateur wrestling somewhere you'd get locked up <laughs> but big this like we were the same age and we got along real well and he used to bump for me way more than he should have i mean you watch our matches because he liked me and yeah you know he would he would I'd bump him and he'd stay down and there's times where he would get back up and then maybe I would bump him again. Cause generally with big Vis, if you get him down, once he gets up, it's the comeback. Cause you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to take him off his feet twice unless you're higher up on the card to where that makes sense for the character. And it helps them. They kept him strong enough against all the mid card guys to where it meant something for him to, if he lost to somebody, you knew that they were getting a push. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, what a great uh, dude. Rex. Hey Rob, what do you remember on the night? Uh, man announced the deaths of Benoit. What did you hear in the back regarding rumors? W say it again. When he did what? Sorry. Uh, the night, like, Vince announced uh, that Chris Benoit died, and uh, did you hear any rumors regarding the situation? So I was at a – I went to a minor league baseball game, and I was getting – the game hadn't started yet. And Nick Densmore – I w wasn't with the company anymore. Densmore called me and told me that, that they'd all passed away. 
And I had to call my wife because I couldn't even, I was with my dad and I couldn't even watch a game. I was felt sick. So she, you know, I went home and then the next night they had that, you know, cause I traveled with him and there were times where when we would do loops close enough to his house that his wife and son would come travel with him and we'd follow each other to the show. His son used to have um, trunks like his, the long trunks, and he would tape his wrists and, you know, play around in the ring before the show. And so whenever that happened, I mean, I, I remember being kind of devastated. And then it's probably one of the only times I can think of where I was almost in a depression just thinking about yeah. that happening. And I hadn't been around him for like a year cause I'd gotten released, but he moved to SmackDown from raw. And I had heard when he was on SmackDown that he wasn't as nice to the, some of the newer guys. Like he, like, like he'd always been nice to me, like that he made them work out and stuff like that, which didn't sound like him, but you know, it wasn't, I never, th there was so much news about it. That was misinformation. That I didn't know what to believe for a long time. Mm. But uh, um, Rob, have you had the pleasure of drinking a delicious cold glass of Royal Reserve Canadian whiskey? <laughs> uh, not that I know of. Yeah, so I told this story on here, Rob. The first time I got drunk on whiskey, I was like 12. Oh, shoot. And it was this Royal Reserve, and I drank so much, I got sick and did one of the boys give it to you or what? Or did you take, did you steal it? Take it from your dad or something? No. Somehow we garnered 60 bucks and we bought three quarts. There were 20, like the cheap stuff, right? And I drank like half a quart and I was driving my bicycle home and I crashed into a Dairy Queen sign. Oh, man. Yeah. The first time I got drunk was, it was like Christmas and I, uh, I was young too and I snuck some like, wine that my mom and dad had and then it was the night before christmas and i ended up like all christmas day i was throwing up <laughs> it was terrible i didn't drink again until i was like 18 or 19 yeah you were never a big drinker were you rob no no i mean when i was younger younger everybody kind of you know experiences it and but it just by the time i got to where we were you know in wwe and wrestling i mean for lack of a better term, I mean, I don't know if it's if you'd say it, but I was kind of a serious person. Yeah. Like, I really wanted to wrestle, you know what I mean? And and I kind of took it pretty serious, like, because I, I wasn't the biggest guy, I wasn't the fat, like, I really felt like the way I was going to make it is, like, kind of working harder and just, like, trying to, if I... If I didn't make it or do good, I wouldn't want to look back and say, man, if I'd have done this or that, you know, if I hadn't stayed out, right. you know, one time we went to Europe and we had like a day off and uh, remember Hunter took everyone to some castle in Scotland that they filmed Braveheart and me and Benoit went to the gym, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't going to get any better in my mind going there. Well, yeah. politically, if the son-in-law wants you to do something, you probably gain grounding points, right? It's like the one time we were in Alaska and he ordered pizza for everybody, but it wasn't my cheat day, so I didn't eat any. And he kind of got hot. Yeah, I, I never really thought about that back then, 
Like I, mm-hmm. I was kind of naive to that part of the business. I just, right. you know, was used to just show up on time, you know, do what you're told to the best of your ability and try to make your opponent look good, you know, win or lose. And, uh, like it, I didn't really learn about the business until I left the WWE. And that fucked because up. that's when you leave WWE, then, then, you know, in OBW, you, you were pretty much, they just, you to, did what you're told. When I left the WWE, that's when I found out, okay, you buy merchandise. Well, you don't buy a ton of it. Cause what if it doesn't sell? You know, you gotta, you gotta find out how to get over because there, you, there's, there's no machine behind it. You, you have to, you know, figure out how to sell merchandise and how to network. I was never a networker. I mean, I had so many opportunities where people would give me their number and say, you know, I mean, like, remember like Toby Keith would come to the show and say, Hey, come to my restaurant afterwards. We're having a party. And I would, I would go home and go to bed so I could get up early and work out. Um, you know, all the former wrestlers would want to, you know, I talked to Mark Cuban one time for like 20 minutes and he was super cool, but I never even thought about trying to get an email address and us, you know, kind of keeping in touch. It just never dawned on me. I just. Uh, question for Rob. Why didn't you move to SmackDown like Renee and Sly? Well, I was told that I was going to basically say I'll quit Raw if I don't win. And then Vince fired me from Raw. And then, but the plan I was told ahead of time was me and Sylvan were going to reform La Resistance on SmackDown to the point where they told us to order gear. I went and got or ordered new gear from Rick Michaels, uh, who was making our stuff at the time. And then, uh, then when I got released, I was literally like, man, I'm, it was, I mean, I, I was kind of thought, Hey, I would release me too. But I really was thinking I was getting ready to go to SmackDown and reform. The only reason that we broke up in the first place is because they wanted Muhammad Hussan to have all of the like heat that we were getting. And I knew, uh, Mark Capone is his real name. He's a great guy, but he's Italian. He wasn't really feeling that that gimmick so to speak so nobody ever gave us a lot of direction but they would give him direction on wh- how to be like an anti-american and i would listen to it and i would use it we would use it and we, <laughs> people would chant usa for 20 minutes at the live events and then by the time he went out there even though he was higher up on the card they'd already been chanting usa for they didn't do it didn't want to do it again you they so yeah. they didn't want to have two groups that were competing for the same heat. Right. Yeah. And that's why we split up in the first place. And then by the time that he had ran his course, I thought, okay, we can reform this on SmackDown, have a whole new group of guys to work with. And uh, so I was kind of surprised that I got released, but I understood why you would do it because of the way the contracts work. Yeah, man. Well, uh, I'm going to scoot over to Patreon, uh, and uh, James, can you finish up with Rob and ask the questions? And I don't know where Sly went. Hopefully, everything's okay with his family, and it's not an emergency. But, it's perfect uh, timing. Rob, My phone's about to die, so it's perfect timing. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, to yeah, take off. Uh, Rob, uh, if you ever you want to come, we got to do this again with Sly, and hopefully Sly can stay the whole time. And uh, 
let's keep in touch, Rob, because uh, yeah. I'm coming back to the States pretty soon, and uh, I think we need a resistance reunion tour. Yeah, people always ask. They always ask about it, so yeah. All right. we make so it happen. Everybody, there's the Patreon link below. Come on over to Patreon and watch me yell at the TV. It's going to be a great time. Okay, Rob, I'll talk to you soon. James, I'll see you in a bit. We'll go yeah. the moment. See you, brother. Later. Yeah. Au revoir. Uh, right. Uh, oh, you see. Uh, hi, Rob. Memory, so I'm working with Kane uh, May 19th. Oh, man. I still, everybody, it's like a holiday for people. They put May 19th uh, on all my social medias, you know, when it starts coming around. And uh, people are like, man, you should print some of those shirts. <laughs> More May, May 19th stuff. But yeah, I tell you, they were really trying to make him strong uh, for his movie. And yeah. so that segment, he was way rougher than he ever normally was. But I knew going into it, he was like, man, this has to look good because this movie, you know, he's a, you know, this character's a monster. So it was... Uh, it was actually a pretty fun match, but I've worked with him quite a bit, and it was a rougher cane that night than I'd ever gotten before. But even that match, like, then certain people are like, man, you know, you got destroyed by Kane. Like, dude, I was out there with Kane with Shawn Michaels is the is the referee. Like, <laughs> the same people that buy pay-per-views and pay for tickets are telling me that I – like, man, you know, can't believe you had to do that. I'm like, I can't believe I got to do that. That's awesome. Uh, same as what I've said to Renee, and especially your case as well, like the names you've been in the ring with, Kane, Shawn Michaels, uh, Rock, Mankind, uh, The Rock is like their reunion for the first time in years. Flair, Benoit, Edge, like the names, all, well, obviously the Benoit situation besides that, Every one of them, like, Hall of Famous, like, the people you've been in the ring with, you shared the ring with, is, like, unreal. I, I had matches on at WWE against Coco Ware, Doink the Clown, <laughs> uh, Greg Valentine, who's a Hall of Famer, yeah. you know, and then yeah. the, the segment that I did with, you know, I, got, I had Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, I had a segment with, I, I lost a pay-per-view to, to uh, Jimmy Schnooker, and I got splashed after the match by uh, um, Kamala. Yes. One time at a live event, I called. I went out and interrupted Jack Briscoe, and he ended up wow. punching me in the face. Wow. I mean, that, how cool is that? I mean, I got to meet all yeah. these guys and work with them, you know. And obviously, when they're coming in, and you got to make them look good. I mean, nobody wants to not you know, to be a legend and come in and like look bad. So I was just, like I said, happy to get the opportunity to learn from them and be around them and get to know them and get to work with them. Same people that are same guys that are people are going and standing in line to get pictures taken with them. You know, I got to work with yeah. them. It's definitely a privilege. Uh, I think we've got a couple more questions and then I think we're done. Rex, okay. uh, Suppose we'll give this question to you, Rob. Uh, did any of the talent buy the uh, Playboy of any current divas at the time? What's that? 
So uh, during your era, a lot of the divas were doing the Playboy shoots. Yeah. Did, did any of the boys buy the magazines, basically? Hmm. I don't know. I'm sure that they probably just, they were just around because they probably had to sign them and stuff at the shows. But yeah, I don't know that most of the guys uh, that I worked with, we were always taught that every penny that you spend is a penny that you don't make. Mm -hmm. So when you're on the road, you're trying to save as much money as you can because whatever you spend, you can't take it home. So I can't I can't imagine too many guys on the roster out buying magazines. <laughs> uh, you've already answered one Jim Cornette story, but I'm going to ask you about another one. So we've had Doug Basham on the show, and he yep. spoke about the story where he shaved his head. Oh yeah, four-year-old truck driver. You, <laughs> that's it. Can you give us the story from your perspective, and how funny was it just watching Jim Cornette flip? Oh, yeah, because so Doug was the machine, was his uh, gimmick name. He had a beard, and he'd been growing his hair out. He used to wear a mask, even though everybody knew who it was. He still wore the mask because he was Danny Davis's nephew, and he was, like, ashamed to be related to him, so he covered his face. That was, you know. So eventually he came out of the mask. He had the long hair, and his partner had his head shaved. And, uh, you know, they were if not the top tag team, they were one of the top, you know, guys in OVW. And then they went off to do like a live event and they came back and he, Doug had his head shaved and had no beard, I think. And Cornette was like, he, I mean, it immediate. So Cornette treated OVW like it was more important almost than WWE. Cause it was to him. Yes. Yeah. And the, he typical just went off. I mean, and he, he literally said, you, you know, you, you went up there looking like a superstar and you came back looking like a 40 year old truck driver, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Cornette, like, I don't know if he did it this occasion. I've seen it other, like when he got mad, he would go and like, sometimes he would just like tear his own car up. He He's like broken doors at our old building. It was kind of uh, our, the building itself wasn't in great shape. It was like, you know, other places were kind of fall. He'd go out and bust windows out of the, out of the building. You know, he just needed an outlet for his temper. But a lot of times it was, the matter he got, it, in hindsight, it was like funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it is a legend there. Uh... Cool, I think real cool. So, yeah, thanks very much, Rob, uh, coming, making the time to come on the show. I had a great time. Uh, hopefully, Sly's okay, and uh, next time we'll make sure everyone's in one place. Uh, I appreciate you guys but, having me. It's fun. Oh, no problem. Is there anything you want to promote before we go? No, nope, just uh, go to Patreon and watch Raw with Renee tonight. <laughs> I'm about to jump over there now and uh, give him a hand before I go to sleep. It's 1 a.m. over here, so I've got another half now that I'm going to go to sleep. Okay, well, you take care, and I appreciate uh, you having me on, and it'd be great for us all to get together and, uh, you know, do some events. Awesome. All right, thanks so much, Bob, and, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thanks, mate.